Bank Stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. We've got a special guest joining us today. You know him, you love him, you play for your Los Angeles Dodgers. He's currently an analyst for Sportsnet LA. Jerry Harrison Jr. is joining us, stepping into the Dodgers dugout today. What up, Jay Hare? What's going on, brother? How you doing? And I'm doing great, man. I have had a little time to process this loss. I mean, the Diamondbacks look like a pretty good team. It's nice to see the Astros lose. America won yesterday. See Corey Seager back in the World Series. But we want to start right here. Now we've had some time to unpack this loss. You've seen the Diamondbacks play well. Yes, the pitching wasn't there for the Dodgers. But for me, I just still can't wrap my mind around the fact that you're scoring two runs a game. This offense was the best in L.A. Dodgers history. First to score over 900 runs. Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts to describe the year they had in one word. It'd be spectacular. I just can't understand how they weren't able to manufacture runs. But what is your take on the offense and their inability to just put runs across in the NLDS? Well, you're right. I mean, they definitely scored a lot of runs during the over 900 runs, a Dodger record. It was, they weren't unable to, in that short series, it became a series, uh, just three games against the D-backs. Especially, they were very familiar uh, with the D-backs. They know what he was going to face or how they're going to Oh, so we're we're gonna get Jerry Harrison Jr. back. It looks like we lost him. B. Guzman says, "Is this America Online?" Dodgers weren't really hitting at September. Viggle says, "Hi, Jerry Harrison Jr." So we'll work on getting Jerry Harrison Jr. back. We might push him to another day. He had to run by eleven, so we're working on a little technical difficulties here. But we'll just dive right into some of the topics that we're gonna talk about. See if we can get him back. But uh, let's drop those down below. My name is Doug McCain, of course. If you're just joining us here, we are. Rocking and rolling here on this morning edition of Dodgers Dugout Live. Looks like the camera is gone out as well. Here we go, and we're back. So, yeah, we are currently working on this little technical difficulties here. Looks like the Dodgers in the postseason right here. But uh, how are you, D-Mac? I'm doing good. I'm doing better. I think this Dodgers team has a lot to play for, a lot to prove in this offseason. We got Bob Melvin to the Giants. That's from Julian Hernandez. We got ask him if Cody... Dodgers got good at the last day of the season. Yeah, absolutely. What up, fellas? What up, D-Mac? What up, Joe? Mom, we got Justin Lamas, Texas shortstop, really good. Can you imagine him in Dodger blue? Yeah, we're going to talk about that. If we can't get Jay Hare back, which we might push him to another day if we can't figure out these technical difficulties. I'm not sure if you guys can see me right now, but we are working on it. But yeah, I mean, seeing Corey Seager have the success that he had in this series interesting it really makes you wonder did the Dodgers do enough to try to retain him after 2021 now I do want to mention one thing is it's very interesting how the narrative quickly changes because entering last night's game Corey Seager was five for 26 in that series then of course he had the three hit game yesterday he was phenomenal he did a great job getting clutch hits 
and really pushing that team over the top. And also you have Adolis Garcia. Adolis Garcia was phenomenal as well. And you just want to see the Dodgers have similar performances, guys that can step up in those situations, guys that can put teams on their back in October when it matters most. So that's something I'm looking for, guys like that, guys that play with that dog. It just doesn't feel like, you have those guys on the roster that are doing it in the postseason. It just hasn't been the case. But uh, let's go back down below in the comment section. Hear what you guys have to say. We got uh, B. Guzman. What are your thoughts on Dusty Baker retiring after this season? Yeah, Dusty Baker, what a baseball life. What a baseball career. Say we want about the Houston Astros. He went in there. He got himself a World Series ring. He's been a career Dodger, a career manager that's had a lot of success. So, yeah, I wish him nothing but the best. He's definitely a legend. I definitely think he deserves Hall of Fame consideration. I definitely think he should be in the Hall of Fame one day. Of course, let's not forget, too, that he was the first recipient of the high five. Thanks to his teammate, Glenn Burke, after his 30th home run to finish off the 30 home run quartet. So, yeah, definitely having a, a player that had a great career. He's had a great managerial career. Of course, I remember him as the manager of the Giants for so many years. So yeah, Dusty Baker, wish him well, of course. Last night, though, I think the first thing we should talk about today once we get rock and roll, and I think we're going to have to reschedule Jerry Harrison Jr. We appreciate him joining us today. We just had some technical difficulties in this one. Had a lot to talk to about with him, but uh, unfortunately, we're going to have to probably push that one back as he had to run. So We'll end up really talking about, first and foremost, Corey Seager, because I see that as the main topic of discussion with Dodger fans right now. And Dodgers fans, in hindsight, thinking that this franchise should have done more to try to retain Corey Seager, a player that they drafted, a player that won Rookie of the Year, became a multi-time All-Star, won the World Series MVP. Should the Dodgers have kept Corey Seager? Well, it's interesting because... They did try to keep him. They were at the table. They didn't have a seat at the table. Only issue is the Texas Rangers, they wanted him really bad. The Dodgers wanted him bad. Rangers wanted him really bad. The Rangers made him a godfather offer. I'm going to make him an offer. You can't refuse, right? They did that. They made him a godfather offer. And just kind of rewinding here in Corey Seager and his history with the Dodgers and that pursuit, in the spring of 2021, it was reported that Seager turned down an eight-year, $250 million extension to stay in Los Angeles. So what's the point of even attempting that is my question. He's represented by Scott Boris. He had come off a World Series MVP. He was still in the prime of his career. And you think for a second he's going to consider signing an eight-year, $250 million contract? In what universe was that going to be the case? That was a low ball Offer. And that's something that I want to see change within this organization because it feels like a gigantic waste of time. And you look at the offer they made for Bryce Harper, four years, 180 million. That was never going to be signed, especially when you consider they're represented by Scott Bort. So 2021, that $250 million extension, that wasn't going to cut it. And then you look past that, well, what was the offer after the 2021 season? How high did the Dodgers go? Well, I went back and I found this tweet from John Heyman who tweeted out, Dodgers made solid effort to keep Corey Seager, but his $325 million Rangers deal has no deferrals and is front-loaded about $140 million in first four years. 
And with no state taxes, the real money gap likely wasn't small. Seager, who will play shortstop with Simeon at second, also took note of Texas in their recent signing. So one, the word I'm looking at there is solid effort. Solid effort is not going to get it done for elite free agents. That's not going to cut it. If you want the best, you have to pay up. You can't come with these offers that aren't matching other teams, right? And I think it's interesting because you look at what a lot of fans said after he did sign with the Texas Rangers, what they say, they said, Corey Seager, he's signing with the bottom feeder Texas Rangers instead of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Well, now Corey Seager is back in the World Series without the Dodgers, before the Dodgers. And yes, like I told you, it's like the Wolverine meme. I'm looking at my Wolverine, the picture frame meme, just missing my Corey Seager back. And yes, do I feel like a jealous ex-girlfriend? I do, and I am. But the reality is that the Dodgers, they could have kept Corey Seager. They could have kept Corey Seager and signed a Mookie Betts. Even if he wasn't going to play shortstop for the entirety of the contract, you could have moved him to third base and he still could have been productive. Now, the real reason though, and look, I'm not an accountant, right? I'm not political, right? But the main reason why Corey Seager, in my opinion, is not on the Los Angeles Dodgers and is currently on the Texas Rangers is that California state tax because the California state income tax is 13.3%. That's the highest in the country. So when you look at Seager's payday that he got with the Texas Rangers, $325 million, they have 0% income tax. So for the Dodgers to be able to match the Texas Rangers 10-year $325 million offer, you'd have to spend close to $400 million. $400 million for 10 years of Corey Seager. And with his injury history, the fact that he didn't love his defense, maybe that's why you didn't make that godfather offer. But the reality is, I see a lot of people out there saying, oh, it's Corey Seager's decision, right? He was drafted by the Dodgers. He didn't decide to play in LA, right? He didn't decide to join this organization. He was drafted by them. So there's no telling if Seager wanted to be a Dodger forever, right? There's no telling if he liked it in LA. Maybe he doesn't like LA traffic. Maybe he doesn't like the beach here in LA, right? Maybe he wanted to play for a different franchise, but the reality is the Dodgers didn't go above and beyond to retain Corey Seager. They didn't give him a godfather offer. They didn't go all out. The Rangers went all out. They made him an offer he couldn't refuse. They paid him $325 million over 10 years. And now they're going to the World Series. And now you combine the aggressive mindset in the pursuit of free agents and key players at the trade deadline. The Texas Rangers are on their way to possibly be going from a 100 loss team a few years ago. They lost 100 games a few years ago. And now they're on the cusp of possibly winning a World Series title. So you got to give them a lot of credit. So it's interesting. I don't think that the Dodgers did enough to retain Corey Seager. I personally don't believe they did. And this is from Jorge Castillo of the LA Times. And he had some really good intel about the Corey Seager contract situation. He wrote, offensively, the Dodgers wanted Seager to stay long before he hit free agency. They offered him an eight-year, $250 million contract during spring training this year. They were among the teams vying for his services as a free agent once the season ended. Ultimately, 
they weren't close to meeting the Rangers' extravagant offer of $325 million over 10 years, according to people with knowledge of the situation. So there, the operative words are, they weren't even close. So the Dodgers were never close. They did not make an aggressive offer for Corey Seager, and he's been a fantastic player for the Texas Rangers, and he's someone that's had a lot of success already. And I also see people out there saying, Corey Seager's had two good postseason runs in eight years. Two good postseason runs in eight years. Okay, that's fine. I'll give you that. If you look at his postseason history, he was the guy that couldn't come through. He was the guy that was ice cold when it mattered most, and he couldn't swing the bat, right? If you look at 2015 in the DS, had the home runs, or in 2016, had the two home runs, hit 130. You look at the World Series, had the go-ahead home run there in game two. They lose that series. He hit 273. He hit, uh, ended up hitting in that World Series. He ended up 661 OPS. So look, yes, he's only had two elite postseasons. But if you can tell me that two of those elite postseasons will lead to pieces of metal, I'll sign up for that every single day. This is a World Series. This is a franchise that hasn't won a full season world series since 1988, right? So if you can guarantee me two world series titles out of that, I'll gladly take two elite postseasons out of eight, because look, what this tells you is that guess what? Great players are going to struggle. Great players are going to have down series. Look at last night. What do we see? Another team that failed to repeat in the Houston Astros. It is impossible to win back to back world series titles. Winning a championship in baseball is harder than winning a Super Bowl in the NFL. It's harder than winning a Larry O'Brien trophy in the NBA. It is a very difficult thing to do to win a World Series trophy because every year is so different. The volatility of hitters, players having good years, players having bad years, up years, down years, injuries. Who do you hit on as far as the farm system, guys coming up in your system. So there's a lot of moving parts in baseball, and that's why it's very difficult. But yeah, I want to get your takes down below on Corey Seager. Should the Dodgers have done more to keep Corey Seager? That is the big question at the moment because there's a lot of Dodgers fans that, yeah, we're happy for Seags. He's in the World Series. But Corey Seager is in the World Series and playing in the Fall Classic before the Dodgers with that Texas Rangers team. It looks like that him and Garcia and the rest of that squad is on their way to possibly winning a title. So let's go down below in the comment section. Give me your thoughts on Corey. Seager. like I said, sorry about the technical difficulties and Jerry Harrison. We're going to try to get him back later on in the week, but appreciate Jerry Harrison for joining us for a question there. That was awesome. Ivy Stroken says, what up Dodgers fan? What's the word burn? What up Ivy Stroken? Christian Paul, you can apply that same logic to Mookie. Yeah, absolutely. You can. And look, there's a lot of domino effects out there. I had one of my friends call me and he wanted to talk about Corey Seager yesterday. I had a friend who texted me the longest text message, man. This thing was three paragraphs. It was like his senior thesis. And his theory is that the domino effect of Trevor Bauer and Trevor Bauer getting suspended. If Bauer doesn't get suspended, then do the Dodgers push for Max Scherzer. If you don't get Max Scherzer, you don't get Trey Turner. And then does that change your pursuit of Corey Seager? Because are you going to be that aggressive with Corey Seager? No, you have Trey Turner for one more year. It's an interesting theory, but I can tell you 
that the Dodgers didn't go after Max Scherzer because of what happened with Trevor Bauer. They went after Max Scherzer because of what happened with Dustin May. Dustin May suffered a season-ending injury. He had Tommy John surgery. That's why they were trying to bolster that pitching. Also, this is pre-expanded postseason when you could get more value at the deadline. You didn't have 12 teams. You had 10 teams. So that's when Andrew Friedman was more aggressive. But it's an interesting theory. I, too, own a tinfoil hat. I totally get that. But I don't think that is really what happened. I don't think that's the crux of it. But down below, Rangers choking the World Series like in 2011, that's from Showtime fans. BC, finally, we get a stress-free World Series without the Trastros. That's from BC. Look, I did pick the Trastros to make it to the World Series, and I had them facing the Dodgers. And look, that's an Astros team who, say what you want, they're in the conversation for the model franchise of Major League Baseball. But as good as the Astros have been for the last seven seasons, multiple World Series titles, won a World Series, they have one legitimate World Series in this run of seven years. That tells you, that exemplifies and illustrates how hard it is to win in Major League Baseball. I see people out there thinking you can roll out of bed and build a World Series team. Oh, the Phillies have the formula. The Braves have the formula. The Astros have the formula. If it was so easy, trust me, these guys would do it. If it was so easy, and Andrew Freeman knows, okay, side two, Starters signed a couple relievers, signed some impact packs. It would happen. But what you can't quantify for and the variable that's tough to assess is, like I said, players having up years, players having down years, injuries, who's available at the trade deadline, right? So it's a lot to it. But let's go down below the comment section. I want your thoughts on Corey Seager. Tony Yanez, Seager is gone. Move on. So I see people out there. That's the... That's the parroted take that I've seen for Sony. Seager's gone, move on. Yeah, I get it. Sure, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But it's what can we learn? I don't, I'm not a big blame game guy. I'm not the blame game guy. Trust me, I'm not the blame game guy. I'm a problem solver. What can the Corey Seager situation teach us about the future? What can the Corey Seager situation do to help us avoid seeing Seager help another team win a World Series title? Okay, what is that like? And I look at Will Smith. Got to try to retain Will Smith. Walker Bueller, if he has a good year next year, got to keep Walker Bueller. At some point, you want to try to retain your homegrown talent because otherwise, everyone else is benefiting from it, right? Everyone else is benefiting from it, right? It's like you raise the kid and he has success and then he goes on and he has success with another family, right? I mean, you can't keep doing that. If you're going to continue to produce in your farm system and have that sustained success, you want to be able to have these guys in your own organization having success with your team because you're the team, you're the guys who put in all the work, right? You helped him get to where he's at. So look, I think you also have to factor in that if you do bring back Corey Seager, you probably don't have Freddie Freeman, right? And I think only time will tell. Corey Seager, if he gives them a World Series, if Corey Seager wins the World Series MVP and he goes into God mode again, it's worth every single penny of the 10 years and $325 million, right? If he doesn't, even so, he was really one of the biggest pieces as far as that organization's roster build. Because you went out there and you spent big money. You got Marcus Simeon, right? Even you went, you signed Jacob DeGrom. You traded for Max Scherzer, right? But still, Atlas Garcia is the one that's going crazy. He's the one that really is carrying this team. So, you can't do it all, 
by big money free agents, but the Texas Rangers are proving that if you are aggressive, not just in the off season, but during the season, signing players and trading for players, right? Also going out there and getting Bruce Bochy. Now I still think Dave Roberts is good enough as a manager to lead a healthy Dodgers team with a couple tweaks of the roster to a world series title. I still believe that I still believe that teams will be lining up around the block to sign Dave Roberts as their manager. If the Dodgers fired him, but seeing Bruce Bochy, who is literally managing T-ball in the last three years, managing T-ball at a major league baseball, this guy comes back into the game. And in his very first year, he leads this Texas Rangers team, a team that had to play in a wild card series, a team that had to beat the Rays in this first round to lead them to a World Series appearance in his first year. Hey, you know what they say? Winners win. And Bruce Bochy is most certainly a winner. Also, too, what have Dodgers fans said last couple of weeks? We want the raw, raw manager. Give me Tommy Lasorda. Give me the manager that can flip over the table and give the win one for the Gipper's speech. Where's that manager? Bruce Bochy isn't that guy. He's really even keel, right? He's made some bad decisions during this postseason run. But at the end of the day, if you put together a roster of players that can hit consistently, guys who can perform in the postseason on the mound, you can overcome managerial mistakes. You can overcome those sort of ordeals and give this Rangers team credit. They have made adjustments at the plate, right? They have had a lot of success. So I do think the Dodgers could learn a lot from this Texas Rangers team. I do think that yes, the San Diego Padres are a cautionary tale, but there is no reason right now that the Dodgers don't have a team that looks like the Texas Rangers. There's no reason why right now, why the Dodgers weren't more aggressive. Now, what happened this year was bad. They were decimated by injuries. You lose your entire starting rotation. The bullpen was bad to start the year. The offense was fantastic. And what happened with Julio Urias came after the deadline. So I can understand not pushing all those chips into the middle of the table this year. I think you could make the case that, yeah, even in your reset rebuild year, you overachieved in 100 games. What I don't understand is why they weren't aggressive like this Rangers team in 2022, when you still had Trey Turner, you still had enough pieces and you won 111 games and you had Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts in their primes. So that to me is the big question. I do think this Dodgers team needs to take a page out of the Texas Rangers book and be more aggressive this off season. And I have a question for you. If the Dodgers go out there and sign Yamamoto, who I dropped a video I did an episode from the house yesterday. Kind of sick right now. This is my MJ flu game, right? I'm dropping 38 game five, the 1997 NBA finals, right? Noel's going to carry me off. He's going to be my Pippin, right? But this, this team, this organization, they have a lot to prove. I've already said it's a legacy offseason for Andrew Freeman. My question to you, though, is you look at the decision to not be more aggressive with Corey Seager. When do the fact and factors as to why that never happened. You go to the decision to not be aggressive last off season, right? If you do sign Shohei Otani, if you do sign Yamamoto, does that make you forget what happened last couple of years? Is that the men in black flasher, what just makes you forget everything, right? Is that how it's going to be? 
because I think, yes, it's possible. There's no doubt about it that they need to make a big swing move, a big swing signing to re-energize the fan base based on the fact that you won 211 games the last two seasons and have exactly one postseason win to show for it. This team, there's really no other way to slice it. They just have not shown up offensively in the last two years. I do think that that's mandatory. That is a non-negotiable at this point, that you have to go out there and spend some big money but is whatever they do this offseason enough to overcome what they didn't do last two seasons when you still had Mookie and Freddie in their primes? Because I got news for you. They're stuck with Mookie Betts, right? Mookie Betts is on a 12-year, $365 million contract. He has deferrals and this and that, and you could probably move him, but you're not. It's not going to happen. Freddie Freeman, you have him for four more years, right? If you bring in talent, and Mookie and Freddie, they start to slide. And we know that father of time is undefeated. They're not getting any younger. If they fall out of their primes and you bring in guys, it's not the same. That's why for me, I was all about maximizing the primes of Mookie and Freddie Freeman. And I feel like this organization said to themselves, okay, we have some equity in the fact that we won the 2020 World Series. We want Shohei Otani. We want these big-name free agents as possibilities. But that's an interesting thought. And I have some changes, too, that I want to see in this organization. That's coming up next here. But I want to specialize. I want to read some of these comments here because you guys uh, appreciate you down below. Smash that like button for DMAC. What up, Dyan Schroeder? Always rock with us. Boomer Assassin, how do we like Craig Crumble now? Yeah, interesting. Craig Crumble has had his ups and downs. He's had his ups and downs. There's no question about that. He didn't make the postseason roster. William, only for the Dodgers last year. William, only because of the incompetence of Dave Roberts. Steve May, did you see Arizona bunt up by five in the seventh yesterday? Roberts is exposed. Torrey crushed him. Zona was stealing bases on us like crazy. Yeah, this Diamondbacks team, you see Marte, the streak that he's on. You see the approach they have offensively. Guys are just hitting. Some guys just can't handle the postseason. The problem with the Dodgers is this, and I thought long and hard about this, is that they don't have a plan B. If their approach doesn't work and they're not slugging, they don't have a plan B. You don't see the in-game adjustments that we've seen with the Arizona Diamondbacks, that we've seen with the Texas Rangers. Their offensive approach is like driving around without a spare tire. If they go flat, they're stuck. They have nowhere to go, nothing to do. You see them get overpowered by better pitching, and that's why I think one thing I need to see this offseason. So we'll get into my changes. A big change I want to see this offseason is this Dodgers team needs more production towards the bottom of the lineup. Towards the bottom of the lineup. You need someone that can come through other than Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Will Smith and Max Muncy. This year, you had Kike Hernandez, who when he got his opportunities, he made the most out of them. Chris Taylor put together some good at-bats. But if you guys remember, what happened in 2018? Remember Yasiel Puig? The great Yasiel Puig. Puig mania for life. Yasiel Puig in that series in 2018, he was great against the Brewers in the NLCS. He was fantastic. And he was batting there in the seventh hole, had an 855 OPS, batting mostly there in the seventh spot. So where are the Yasiel Puigs, right? The Chris Taylors, the Kike Hernandez's. 
when the Dodgers have sex, success, when the Dodgers, excuse me, when the Dodgers have success in the postseason. It's usually when a guy like Kike has a three home run game against the Chicago Cubs. A guy like Chris Taylor has a big game, a Jock Peterson, right? A more complete lineup. And I think the issue that the Dodgers have is they have a offense that's reliant on a player in Mookie Betts that has been mostly a no-show for the last two postseason runs. And you just cannot have that because it's not sustainable. If he's having a bad series, you're not going to score very many runs. And that is an issue for this team. Make no mistake about it. One thing this organization needs to do when they're taking a long, hard look in the mirror this offseason is asking themselves how much stress, how much of a load on Mookie Betts do you want to have? Do you want to have him be the guy? And I don't think you can have Mookie be the guy on this team in the postseason just because the last couple of years, he just hasn't been able to have that success. I mean, if you look at the postseason with the Dodgers, when Mookie scored a run, when Mookie has scored a run since he's been in LA, they're 13 and four, a 765 win percentage. When he doesn't score a run, they're seven and 13, a 350 win percentage. So I think this offense is too Mookie Betts reliant. We'll also say Freddie's been great. There's no doubt about that. Great duo. They went from the dynamic duo to the anemic duo in the postseason. But Mookie did have his best postseason success when he was playing with Corey Seager there in 2020. So that's some more fruit for thought there. But uh, yeah, I want to see him go out there, add some pieces that aren't those first tier guys as well. Go out there, get a Jorge Soler, get someone that you can have success with down the line that can be dangerous. And yeah, is it a James Altman? Yeah, sure. He had success in the regular season. He's someone that could be a long-term solution in center field, but he didn't show up in the postseason. It's a very different game. Talk about Jerry Harrison, the guy we were talking about, we're going to talk to today. Jay Hare, he had a hit in his very first postseason at bat. Jay Hare in his very first World Series game against the Philadelphia Phillies in game two of the 2009 World Series had a base hit off of Pedro Martinez, right? You have to be built differently. You have to have that postseason DNA. And I think for this Dodgers team moving forward, looking at the Garcias, the Martes, the Seegers, the guys that are having success, yes, you're not always going to have success in every single series, but you can identify the swings that you can make adjustments with swings that are going to play up. Jason Hayward has been a terrible postseason player. Bring my facts to the fight, a sub 500 OPS. He's been awful in the postseason. He still started two games with the Dodgers. He shouldn't have been starting those games. I'm here to tell you that I don't care how that swing has been reworked, but facing postseason pitching, you're usually facing better pitchers and also the nerves nerves are real. The intangibles, it's tough. But let's go down below the comment section and hear what you guys have to say. Drop your thoughts on Corey Seager. Should they have been more aggressive in getting him? Look, it's fair now. Hindsight is 2020. You know the hindsight hyenas are out there criticizing the move to not sign him and not be more aggressive. But no one knows what Corey Seager was thinking, right? No one knows. This is the billion-dollar question with Corey Seager. Is if the Dodgers offered him $400 million and the Rangers offered him $325 million. Would he have accepted the Dodgers offer at 10 years, 400 million? If the answer is yes, then the question becomes, if you're the Dodgers, do you want to hit your wagon to Corey Seager as your highest paid player, right? Because then you're looking at a, a Corey Seager, Mookie Betts, one, two punch as your core. Can that win world series titles? I think it can. I think it could have, 
But I think Shohei Otani was always the North star was always the big white whale for this Dodgers team. Maybe if Corey Seager had had a successful 2021 postseason in which he didn't, maybe there's more momentum. Maybe they do consider giving him more money and making a better offer, but he had a down 2021 postseason. And if you're the Dodgers, you're sitting there and saying to yourself, well, Seager had one good postseason run. It was in 2020 in the shortened season. He's been injured throughout his career. Maybe let's just let him walk. We have Trey Turner. That was the big domino. You don't make a trade for Trey Turner unless you have Intel knowing that it's a pretty good chance that Corey Seager is going to test the waters because if you're Seager, you don't make Scott Boris your agent unless you want to get the most money you possibly can. He wanted the biggest bag and that's what he did. So yeah, we talk about this all day as far as Seager goes, but uh, I think at the end of the day, if they make the moves now and you sign Otani and you're aggressive and you fix this roster and you have more success next year, then I can live with it. But if we have another offseason where we see Otani signing with the Giants or the Mariners, another team, we sign Yamamoto, sign with the Mets, and they're basically running it back with no big signings, then I'm really going to start to question the motive and the priority for this organization. Because, hey, the Dodgers, they're worth over $4 billion, right? This is an organization that prints money. This is an organization that makes almost $600 million in revenue. Okay, so they make just about as much money as any franchise. Only the New York Yankees are worth more and have more revenue. This team should not have Miguel Rojas as their shortstop. Hopefully Gavin Lux can step into that role. But Bochi is a baseball god, V-Track, BC. We'd have like three or four World Series with him at the helm. I was actually just going to ask that question. How many more World Series do you think that the Dodgers would have with Bruce Bochi at the helm? Look, winners win. And... It's tough. It's tough because there's so many intangible qualities. I still believe Dave Roberts had his best year as a manager in 2023. The confidence he gave to the rookies, navigating those injuries and getting guys to buy in and believe this was still a good team when there's a world where, hey, say what you want about Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman in the postseason. If Mookie and Freddie even had average years this year, they probably don't even make the postseason and we're just punting on this year and calling it a rebuild year. So they almost hurt themselves by recalibrating the expectations and we moved the goalpost on the 2023 Dodgers because they overachieved because their offense was so explosive. We got uh woo from Mattel. We got celebration time. Trash shows are done. That's from metal Ruiz V can't wait to see Dave Roberts get fired. They immediately take the Padres to the world series LMAO. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something right? That feels like a very Dodgers thing. If Dave Roberts got fired, then took another team to the world series. Hey, the grass isn't always greener. You don't know what you got until it's gone. There's no doubt about that. Thoughts on bringing back belly. That's from res 499 USD. I think Cody Bellinger's put himself in the situation where he's pretty much a top, a top free agent, right? And it's tough. I, I just don't see it. I really don't see it. I mean, I would, I wouldn't be totally opposed to it. I still think you've hit on James Altman though. You've hit on James Altman and the thing about Cody Bellinger is that if you look at a lot of his advanced numbers, a lot of his hard hit rates and the Babbitt numbers and things like that, he definitely had his best season in years, but also he benefited from a lot of good fortune. And I still think that he's in a great spot, but you're also going to pay him on a high note. I mean, you're not going to 2019 belly who slashed 323, 68, 552 with 20 home runs and 21 doubles and 17 triples. I mean, 
this was the uh, current year. I mean, 320 and 368, 552 at 20 home runs and 21 doubles. Compare that to that 2019 year where he hit those 47 dingers. You're not going to see that again, but you're going to see a much better version of Cody Bellinger and much more consistent because when he was with the Dodgers in 2021 and 2022, the issue was that strikeout rate. It was all the way up to 27.1%. But this year, the biggest difference, the biggest difference in Cody Bellinger this season is the strikeout rate has dropped from 27.1% to 15.5%. So that's impressive. That shows you he's going for a contact approach. He's not trying to swing for the fences and I find it interesting that you get with another team and that immediately becomes your approach. Does that point to a Dodger issue, right? Is that the symptom? Like, Cause there's symptoms that this Dodgers team has. And it feels like for the most part, guys play better when they're in LA last couple of years, starting to feel like you're seeing more success with teams in other organizations. And Bellinger was in a position where you're further removed from that shoulder injury you're in a contract year. He had all the incentive in the world to have success and try to be, bring back his name and become an elite free agent and give him credit. He did just that. Now, I will say, though, like I said, the reason why it's a no for me is he's going to get a big contract, right? He's might even stay in Chicago, right? He's going to might even stay in Chicago, right? But still, if you look at how hard he's hitting the ball He's averaging 87.2 miles per hour off the bat. It's four miles slower than his MVP season. And if you look at 45.6% of his batted balls that year had a 95 mile per hour exit velocity. And this year that's at 30.8%. So I'm kind of doing this on the fly here, but you're talking about 45.6%, 95 miles per hour, off the bat, batted balls down to 30.8% in 2023. So he's a different hitter. I mean, he's going to get the qualifying offer. He's going to reject that. You're going to have player teams out there that will look at that MVP belly season and wonder if they can get glimpses of that. And he's a good player. Cody Bellinger is a really good player. You guys know I was the biggest belly ever there was. Love the guy. Love his energy. Great in the clubhouse. I would say he's one of the most popular Dodgers. He's a good dude to the core also steps up in the postseason. The numbers in their totality aren't fantastic, but big home runs in big spots. So give him a ton of credit. Now, if you look at defensively too, he had a plus four outs above average in center field this year. So he's definitely still one of the better outfitters in the game. He brings some versatility. I just don't know if I want to go that route, especially when you consider at some of especially when you look at some of his comps. So, I mean, Chris Bryant, 182 million, Brand Nimmo, 162 million, George Springer, 150 million. So do you really want to give 150 plus million to Cody Bellinger when you have James Altman, who's still pre-arbitration and has proven to be an above average outfielder? So the Dodgers do need another outfielder, but I just don't think the Cody Bellinger signing makes sense. If the Dodgers sign Cody Bellinger this offseason, that's not something that makes you, go, oh, we're back, baby. We're going to go win the world series. We're serious. We're aggressive. We've learned from our mistakes. It's on revenge season. No, it would be a good signing if you get him at the right price, but he's not someone that I think moves the needle enough offensively to say he's the answer. He's the missing piece, but uh, give me your thoughts on Cody Bellinger down below in the comment section. We got um, Nola out there. You want Austin Nola? 
Roy Estrada need to see D backs beat Phillies. Then a special world series. We got, um, so stuck with Dookie. That's for Boomer Sass. What, what a Boomer Sass. What Nando 390 Padres got rid of Melvin. Why can't we get rid of Dave Roberts? Nando 390. Look, it's a fair question. It's a fair question, but I would say to that, this wasn't the year to get rid of Dave Roberts. And they gave him that three-year extension. He's paid over $6 million. He's someone that, if you look at his entire resume as a manager, he's had a ton of success. I will say that if they sign Otani, if you fortify this rotation and you stay healthy and you get balanced in the first round next year, I don't care about his intangibles. I don't care about the regular season. Next year would be the year that you have to move on from Dave Roberts if he can't get it done. I don't know if he has pictures of Andrew Freeman, the organization golfing with the devil or something. I don't know what it is, but he's been able to keep that job and he's had a lot of success. I still think he's a good manager, but next year is the year where if you can't get it done, if they have a stacked roster and they're healthy, then I think it does become, hey, maybe you just need a new voice. Maybe you just need a change for the sake of change because that's a drop in the bucket. His contract is a drop in the bucket for this Dodgers team. But on the flip side, I mean, look, here's the question. If Dave Roberts was the manager of the Rangers this year, what kind of a difference would that make? I've spoken to players that tell me that the manager means a lot. You just know how to press certain buttons with certain players. Some guys, you got to be the motivator. Some guys, you got to go tell them, hey, I need a base hit. I need you to step it up. Some guys, you got to just be a little more understanding about the way they go about things and not be as tough as a manager. But I think at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who they have as the manager for the Dodgers. If you go in that interview, I don't think if Bruce Bochy went and had an interview with Andrew Friedman, I don't think that he would have accepted that job. I truly don't believe that. I don't think Bruce Bochy would be on board with the Dodgers style where it's about executing the game plan and the strategies of the front office. And it's collaborative. There's no doubt about it, but it's collaborative. Look, just look at the NLDS. Dave Roberts, he was at the hotel with the organization making the lineup, right? I mean, it's a big think tank, a collective effort. So if you want an old school manager, it'd be tough to see them accepting that job because old school managers, they're going to manage. You stay the bleep out of their way. We got Jock Peterson was an October hitter, but he got, okay, that was me. Uh, Hector Roberts needs to go. He plays everyone, even pitchers too much. They are gassed by the postseason. Hello, Mr. Sumron. We got uh, some comments up, uh, up top here. Mark Johnson, I don't think Belly wants to come back to LA at the moment anyway. Yeah, that's a good question. Everyone just assumes people want to be in LA. Everyone just assumes they want to play for the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers are a great model organization. I think it makes a ton of sense for a lot of players, but these guys have options. It's called free agency. And you only get free agency once, possibly twice in your career. So you have to make sure you love the city, you love the organization, you trust the front office. If I'm Cody Bellinger, I would say F the Dodgers. Why the hell would I want to be on the Dodgers? They didn't believe in Belly. They said, we're not going to pick up that. We're going to non-tender you, right? They did not believe in belly. And yes, belly had some down years, but if his shoulder isn't hurt, he's not going to put up numbers that bad. That's the reality. Go ask Matt Kemp, go ask Adrian Gonzalez, go ask anyone who's had a shoulder injury. It doesn't take one year. It usually takes two years, sometimes three. So yeah, I wouldn't want to come back to the Dodgers. If I was Cody Bellinger, I definitely wouldn't. I mean, at the end of the day, he's, he's he, at the end of the day, he's got boards. If the Dodgers offered him one penny more than another team. He'd probably go with the Dodgers guys. At the end of the day, it's uh, all about the money. 
for a lot of players. But the William Muncie, can we do any better than this guy? That's from William. Absolutely, you can. The question is, is the value there? $14 million for a guy who hits 36 home runs gives you over 100 RBI. That's a good deal. That's a value. You are you're ending up in the green there. You're not ending up in the red. So it'll be interesting though. I would not be surprised if they traded Max Muncy this off season. I would not be surprised because he still has value to another team. And maybe the Dodgers think, okay, we need someone who is a different bat in the middle of that lineup that we trust in the postseason. because Muncy's had a really good career in the postseason. but I'm trying every different option this year. And they've already told us that they're not going to make any changes to the coaching staff. You're not going to make any wholesale changes to leadership. What can you change? Only thing you can change is the roster, right? So I think Muncy can help this team, but I would explore possibilities because if you get Shohei Otani, he can't be a DH. At the end of the day, your defense is going to suffer with Max Muncy at third and every single defensive metric points to that. So I wouldn't be against just because he's not a great fit on this team. I think Max Muncy is a great hitter. One of the most dangerous hitters in the sport. And another team could see that and have him as their DH. The only problem is he's a DH playing third base. I don't think he would fare much better at second base either. I truly don't believe that. I think the Dodgers are going to go out there and try to solidify that position as well. Lynn sucks. That's from Boomer Assassin. Mike Rogers says the manager matters. Bochi, another World Series. It does matter. You can't overemphasize it. You can't, it can't be understated. Uh, the slugging while striking out era is winding down. Mr. Summer. I've been, I've been screaming that I've been pounding that drum for months now, for years now, actually. I mean, what have I said? The Dodgers offense approach, their Blackberry in an iPhone world. They haven't adjusted. I would have changed the hitting coaches, even though all these guys have their own hitting coaches and they have their own approaches just for the sake of change, just for the message that I want to send to my players, I would have brought in a new innovative hitting coach that emphasizes putting the ball in play more and a hybrid approach of having guys be able to slug, but also put the ball in play. I think that is the big key. Cause like I said, no adjustments for this Dodgers team driving around without a spare tire. Gavin Lux will be a big help in the bottom of the lineup. That's from Julian. That's a great point. And that's something that, I was going to talk about later this week, and there's no doubt about that. If they can get anything close to a 300 hitter out of Gavin Lux, we saw it pay dividends in 2021. He had the big base hit in game five of the NLDS against the Giants. So he's proven to be a clutch hitter at times. And yeah, his success is going to go a long way to determining the long-term solution at that shortstop position. But Otani equals the guy. Back-to-back -back Nate. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we could talk about it and so we're Dodger blue in the face. Shohei Otani would change this team. Shohei Otani is someone that offensively takes some pressure off of Mookie Betts, takes some pressure off of Freddie Freeman. He's hungry. He brings a different energy. He's a competitor. How many times, look, Shohei Otani, how many times after the trade deadline when the Angels started their tailspin, how many times did we see him in the dugout looking miserable? looking miserable. He wanted to be out of there. He was so frustrated. He hates losing. He hated losing in Anaheim's. You can see it on his face, right? How many times have we seen that with Dodgers players? Yeah, sometimes they can look stoic. It's understandable. How many times have we truly seen them look very upset? Look, it could be the fact that Freddie has a World Series. Mookie has a World Series. Some of these guys have had a ton of success. 
Otani doesn't have a postseason win, let alone a World Series. So I definitely think that's a big factor for me. I'd be struggling. DMAC, in your opinion, is Van Skoyak an issue with our bats? Almost feels like this is Jeopardy style where I'm reading the answer before the question because I just talked about that right now. And I do think, look, RVS, he's great at what he does. Just as J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez loves him some RVS. He's a very talented hitting coach. And to be honest with you, it's more about signing or trading for players that you want to hit like you wanted the hit, right? Signing players that have an approach that you want because all these guys at this level, for the most part, they are what they are. They're not changing their stripes at the big league level because of what a hitting coach is going to tell them. But I will say, even if it's a 5 to 10% change, even if it's an intangible quality of going up to guys and making in-game adjustments, that's what I'm looking at. Who's the hitting coach out there that can realize that, okay, Max Muncy is flailing at pitches out of the zone. Mookie Betts is swinging at pitchers' pitches. Freddie Freeman is taking strike three with runners on the corner in a key inning that's really determining the series. Who is the hitting coach that can go over right away, identify what the pitcher is doing, go to the hitter and giving them some in-game adjustments on the fly. Cause it just does not feel like this team makes the requisite in-game adjustments. It feels like if a hitter's going over four, you see the same at bat four times, right? You're not seeing a two strike approach. You're not seeing them shorten their stroke a little bit. Look at Corey Seager knob to the baseball, right? You just don't see that with his Dodgers team. And I definitely think that it's philosophical. I think it's cultural. And I think you have to get to the root of it and they haven't done that. That's what makes it so frustrating about this organization is they keep just absolutely not showing up and, you know, pissing down the side of their leg in the postseason. But they, hey, they're the everything is fine dog in the fire drinking the coffee saying it's fine. It is not fine. And until they accept that and make some adjustments, I think it's going to be the same problem. But Dustin says Mookie and Freddie are more Robin than Batman. The Dodgers need a Batman. Look. I disagree with that to a degree just because Freddie's had a lot of success in the postseason. Mookie has had his series, but I do think at this stage of their careers, at this stage of their careers, I can see that. I can see why you need someone that is going to be your Bryce Harper. Everyone get the F out of the way. Give me the bat. I'll do this myself. So I don't totally disagree with that. So we're going to rock with some comments here, do some rapid fire, and then we will let you guys enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. And we'll be back to you guys again tomorrow. We got JP Hornstra, Dodgers insider, JP Hornstra on the show tomorrow. Fellow UCLA Bruins shout out to him. But yeah, he's going to be on the show tomorrow. Cannot wait to get him. We're talking roster, top player movement. So be sure to tune in for that one early tomorrow. We'll try to work out these technical difficulties and uh, we'll join you guys tomorrow. We got a couple more here. We got uh, uh, William, way too many injuries, way too many. Yeah, look, William, at some point, the injuries, be, I don't know who has a voodoo doll of these teams, of these players out there. It's probably a Padres fan living in his mom's basement or something. But yeah, at some point last year, the injuries were so tough to overcome. It's not like they didn't try to trade for Eduardo Rodriguez. It's not like they didn't try to trade for Max Scherzer. Dylan Cease, we don't know how much he was going to cost. At Sometimes the stars just don't align and it's a reshuffling the furniture on the Titanic situation where if you even make a move, will it set you back in the future? But like I said, I still can't defend what they did in 2022 by not going out there and being more aggressive. You could have gotten 
I like that. I got Jam says, this is my comment of this. My Dodgers Nation comment of the show. I got Jam says, Jerry Harris is running wind sprints in his backyard to be ready for next season. Yeah, I'm sure he's already on his fourth hole on the course right now or doing some exercising too. But yeah, Jay Harris, man, we're going to try to get him back later in the week. Usi Cars is Batman. They need a Superman. It's baseball, though. This is the sport where the superstar impacts the game the least, right? You get four or five at bats. You can pitch around that player, right? You need a roster. Give me the seventh guy, the eighth guy. Give me starting pitching that can go deep into games. We're going to focus on that tomorrow, too. Another big change is the starters want to go deeper into games. But a couple more here. We'll let you guys roll. We got to just give Otani $500 million, Then his all your dot. Then he's all your dot. You got to proofread this stuff on the fly. Nando 390. AJ probably got bigger balls than Friedman. Belly is gone. That ship has sailed at Dave S. I agree. So you don't want to get back with that X. I mean, I love me some belly, but nah, I'd be stroking. I'm telling you guys, it's a Van Skoyak issue. Melvin signed with the Giants. Is that official? Interesting. Is that official? Um, trade for Randy Rose, Randa JR. I'd be for that. Give me Randy Rose, Randa all day, every day. We got uh, wait 32 years for another World Series ring. Davis, Otani, Yamamoto to the Dodgers. Get ready. D-Mac, in your opinion, is Van Skoyak. So I got some of those. Got a super chat here from our friend Johnny Owen Giants King in on Yamamoto. Yeah, a video I dropped yesterday. I went into that. Basically, Farhan Zaidi scouted Yamamoto by himself. And the word on the street is, within the industry, is the Giants will not get outbid for anyone. So... We talked about that 13.3 income tax and those issues, those obstacles. How much will the Giants overpay to get their guy? I'm telling you, the Giants are a massive threat. This is a Dodgers-Giants competition this offseason. Who gets Otani? Who gets Yamamoto? So it's definitely one of the big storylines this year. How aggressive will the Giants be? How will that impact the Dodgers this offseason? What I tell you last year, I predicted that Carlos Correa was going to end up with the Giants. He almost did. He did for a couple seconds. And then Arson Judge, I was happy about Arson Judge going to the Giants because that would have taken them out of the Otani sweepstakes most likely. But uh, you got, who said some of the DMAC is Freeman 2.0? Jerry Ramirez pitching, hurt, hitting, hard to hit from behind, 199. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about the fact that when you go to the plate, you're already down 6 nothing. You're already down 3 nothing. Then you start pressing. But what's your excuse for game three? You had a rookie pitcher on the mound for the Diamondbacks. They had the top of their lineup go two innings. They didn't get anything. So what's your excuse for game three? That'd be my question there, but that's going to do over this episode of Dodgers dug out live. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Like I said, JP Hornstra Dodgers insider joined the show. Very excited to talk to him about this roster moving forward. Remember those thing brings together quite like Dodger baseball. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on X and Instagram at DMAC underscore LA. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Dodgers Nation YouTube channel. We are not taking one day off this offseason. Rumors, news, all things Dodger baseball, you're going to find it right here. So if you're not subscribed, be sure you are subscribed because we're doing giveaways all offseason long. We just gave away that towel. The giveaway, uh, the person's probably wiping their tears still with it after what happened in the NLDS. So be sure to subscribe for those giveaways. See you guys tomorrow. Remember that to bring us together quite like Dodger baseball. Until next time, think blue. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 
136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. In a roaring stadium, their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Bring them home. 